Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we come before you, and God, we invite your Holy Spirit to fall upon this place. And now, Father, the words that are spoken will be the words in which you would have me speak. And Father, I pray that you will open the eyes of our heart today, that those places of hurt and pain, those places of lies and deception, that Father, we would hear from you today. And that Father, that there will be an outpouring of testimony of your great love and the freedom that we can experience as a result of that great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to turn to page 453 in your pew Bible, or it will be on the screen. But we're going to look together at that very familiar Psalm 23. Probably a psalm that is familiar to believers and unbelievers. It's a psalm we hear often when it's associated with funerals. And today I want to look at that with fresh eyes and how it might speak to us. And so I'm going to invite you to read it with me. So often we hear familiar scriptures and it just kind of, flows through us, but we may not grab hold of it. And so I'm going to invite you to read along with me. We'll pause a little bit after each verse, just so it can really sink in to understand the relationship with our shepherd. Read with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Isn't that an awesome psalm? I love that song. Today I want us to focus on the relationship with our shepherd and the shalom that this psalm suggests as a result of that relationship. When you think of the word shepherd, what comes to mind? Is it that picture of the shepherd standing there with rod and staff and all the sheep are gathered around? Or is it that picture of Jesus, the shepherd looking for the one that has strayed? Or maybe it's, I like this one, the warm and fuzzy one, I call it, where the shepherd is holding the lamb in his arms. 
whatever that picture is, the shepherd is the one who guards us, who cares for us, and who rules us. And when our souls are not at rest, it's typically because we're not feeling loved, we're not feeling cared for, we're anxious, we're fearful, we don't know what direction to go in. And as I've listened to many stories as a counselor, they are sometimes stories of great pain, of abuse, of neglect, of not having that protection, that love, security as they grew up. However, I also hear stories of, I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted Jesus when I was five years old. I've been walking with him. And yet, they tell me about the unrest that they experience within their soul. So let's look at how that unrest impacts our relationship with our shepherd and also how that unrest can draw us closer to a relationship with the shepherd. I recently was reading an article by Richard Foster and he had this great quote and uh, it reads, we are prone to settle for less than what God desires for us. Glad enough for him to remove an irritating behavior from our personalities or some destructive addiction. But it's very different thing for him to begin restructuring our inner affections. It may help to understand that God is not seeking to improve us, but to transform us. Are we ready? Are we ready to be transformed? Now, let me go. Oh, I I forgot to give my, I keep forgetting to give my counselor disclaimer. As the counselor, people get nervous when she stands in front of the church. But don't panic. I will not share any stories about you. Okay? I promise. And all stories that I might share have been changed enough to um, not make any identifying. And if you think they're about you, well, then I say, good. Um, (laughs) because that tells me it's resonating within you, which is why I chose the stories today that I'm going to share, because I think there are stories that can resonate within each of us. And so, you know, I get the awesome job, responsibility, ministry to sit with people and listen to stories. And I love stories. My husband will often hear me say, so tell me a story about your day. He rolls his eyes at me. Oh, I promise not to even talk about him. Um, Oops. Uh, (laughs) But I get to listen to stories. And typically when people come in for counseling or listening, it's because they've identified maybe perhaps an irritating behavior Or perhaps their spouse has identified an irritating behavior in them. Or perhaps it's the parent that's telling the child they have an irritating behavior. Or perhaps it's the child telling the parent, you need help. 
whatever the case might be, I get the privilege to sit with them. Now, typically, people are not coming in looking for transformation. They're coming in for help with a problem, defined by themselves or someone else. But here's the exciting piece, because I know when someone sits across from me, I know the one who can restructure their inner affections. Isn't that cool? That's cool. Because there's, there's nothing more that the shepherd wants to do is to transform. And so let us think about how God designed us originally. We know in Genesis, he tells us that we were designed in his image, in his likeness, and he declared it what? Good, very good. See, I knew I'd make you guys talk to me. Um, so, so how have we strayed so far from being made in the image of God and in his likeness made in a way to want to run to him and to be like him to the place where we're at today, where we soothe and numb with all these different drugs of choice. I can tell you that we sometimes will justify our behaviors, the soothing behaviors, the pumpkin spice donuts, or the alcohol, or the drugs, or the pornography, or whatever the case might be that we are using. We use it to justify, well, we're in pain. And that's the only way I'm going to feel better for a moment. (laughs) Folks, I'm here to tell you after working with hundreds, thousands of people, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. might make you feel good for a moment, but it doesn't work. Pain is inevitable in all of our lives. It is here and it will be here until the day we die. And unfortunately, pain doesn't have a vaccination. No shot, no mist, no nothing that we can take, that we can have injected in us to avoid pain. But I think Dr. Peter Kreeft, a Catholic professor of philosophy, talked about an interesting way to soothe pain and what we really want in those places of pain. He says, when suffering hits, we are more like a hurting child looking up into the face of daddy asking, why, daddy, why? The child doesn't want answers so much as he wants daddy to pick him up to hold him, to pat him on the back, assure him everything is going to be okay. Isn't that what we want to know from our shepherd? Everything is going to be okay. Now, sometimes we uh, don't believe that. 
sometimes we are lost in our suffering. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one, a broken relationship, health problems, financial struggles. And we just want to know everything is going to be okay. How can it be okay, some people ask, when I've just lost the person I loved? Or now my child is doing something that is, in, in their eyes, horrible. How do we find that place of shalom? How do we get to that place of fulfillment because of God's presence? Well, the cool thing is, is we have a choice. We get to choose what path we're going to go down. We can choose the path with arms open wide and say, God, I want you. I want you and only you. Because I know in that place of wanting him, my wants will be satisfied. Or are you like me sometimes, standing there with arms crossed going, God, I want you to fix it. And I want you to fix it now, and I want you to fix it the way I want you to fix it. Not a whole lot of room for God to work there, is there? Or maybe you've just given up on the relationship altogether. Maybe you've just said, forget it, God. Life is too hard. I don't know where you've been. Forget it. I hope and pray that you will trust the shepherd, that you will walk in relationship with him to care for you, to love you, and to guide you. I remember working with with someone who uh, from the outside looked real good. First service, I had to check to see if they understood what that meant. They looked real good, okay? Meaning they have... You know, nice car, nice house, nice job, nice family, involved in their church, upstanding citizen, blah, 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 blah. Okay? But I, but he, but, but this person came in to see me. So I had a feeling they weren't just coming in to tell me how awesome life was. Seldom does someone sit across from me to tell me that. And this person acknowledged, yep. All these things are going well in my life. However, as I listened to his heart, listened to his mind, fear, anxiety, feelings of worthlessness, not knowing if he was lovable, not knowing if he was accepted, were the constant barrage that he dealt with every single day. Were the people around him known that? No. But I, he confided that, you know, at night, I just have some wine, okay? I have some wine enough to get a buzz because I just can't deal with it anymore. And what he couldn't deal with was what was going on inside of him. He also had an epiphany 
that as we began to work through it, that he was really resistant to even wanting to go to those places of pain. It was easier to numb it out than it was to go to those places of pain. Or so he thought. Because what he suddenly began to realize and what Jesus began to reveal to him was that there was freedom in the truth. There was freedom in the pain. And it was so awesome to begin to watch the truth teller, Jesus, to really begin to restore him back to that place of shalom, to begin to experience that peace within that a buzz wasn't needed each night. He came in so excited to tell me that, wow, you know what? When I don't get that buzz at night, I wake up and I spend time with the Lord every morning. And I'm not just dragging myself out of bed just trying to make it to work on time. How awesome is that? But he was willing. He was willing to be open to the truth. Scriptures that he had memorized long ago suddenly became new as he began to experience that shalom, as he began to have that healing for his soul and his mind. He began to enjoy still waters and green pastures. That's one of my favorite parts of that, of that psalm. When you just close your eyes with me for a minute and just think about still waters, green pastures. Does that feel calming? Does it take you to a place of peace? And then picture the shepherd there with you, guarding you, caring for you, guiding you. Isn't that nice? You can open your eyes unless you need a nap. Um, but <laughs> Psalm 139 tells us, or reads, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me and know my thoughts. You know, I try to pray that on pretty regular basis, but some days I don't want to pray that prayer. Can anybody relate to that? Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only sinner here in the room. Uh, feel better now. Um, that we know that sometimes when we pray that prayer, if we're truly open to God searching us, and that we're willing to see what it is he's going to find. I mean, I think sometimes God can, God's always searching us, I think. But we may not have our eyes open to see what he sees when that takes place. So what are those dark places of sin in your life? Do you know that... You have a savior 
you have a rescuer that died for those sins. Do you know that there's nothing more that he desires for you is to be set free from that sin? And he waits. And he waits. And sometimes he waits a really long time. But I love the fact that Jesus is a gentleman. He will wait. He doesn't force us to have a relationship with him. He doesn't come uninvited. He waits for us to extend that invitation to him because he's already extended it to us. So I ask, what are the places that cause that disconnect between you and God? Is it judgment? Is it pride? Is it selfishness? Is it bitterness? Is it greed? Is it worry? Is it unforgiveness? Probably all of us can identify with those in some form or fashion. And sometimes we hold on to these things because we think they serve a purpose in our life. I was recently working with someone who told me that um, he was having great difficulty forgiving his parents. And as I listened to stories, I could understand why that could be difficult. But I asked, like any good counselor, how's that working for you? That's what Dr. Phil says. How's that working for you? How is that unforgiveness helping you? Well, he had an answer for me. It helps me because then I don't get hurt again. That's one of those moments where I go, hmm, really now? Because we had just spent the first part of our time together with him sharing about how this parent had hurt him. So I thought, hmm, so telling me that you've got this wall of unforgiveness and yet for, for the exact purpose, for the purpose of not allowing hurt to come through, and yet you've just been hurt again so one let me tell you that unforgiveness anger bitterness resentment that doesn't protect you from hurt some may want to argue that with me later and you can do that um, but what it does do is it creates unrest inside your soul would you agree with that yeah and as it creates that unrest within you it also creates that disconnect with our heavenly father with our shepherd all of a sudden if we are not willing to forgive we're not willing to let go of anger, hurt, and bitterness. 
That means the cross was in vain. Because he came to die for those sins. And it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for me to listen to people's stories sometimes when people have been wounded and harmed in such horrible ways. But it's also awesome to know that there is a shepherd waiting to restore, to heal those places within our soul that have been wounded. And so are we willing to let the lover of our soul to come in and love us? And are we willing to die to ourselves? Are we willing to to die, to take up our cross daily for the sins he already died for on the cross? Only you can answer that question but we know that his grace is sufficient not only at a time in which we cried out to God knowing our need for a savior but that his grace is sufficient each and every single day of our lives I wish we had time to unpack the whole psalm today but I remembering short sermon and so let me encourage you to i'm going to give homework to read psalm 23 a couple more times in the next week what does it speak to your heart because it's about what is god going to speak to your heart You know, it goes on to tell you more and more about who this shepherd is that desires to have that relationship with you. You know, it tells us that if we walk in relationship with our shepherd, we will fear no evil. That sounds pretty nice. That his rod and staff comfort And that he prepares a table before you and I in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies. Who are our enemies? I know that we have enemies here on earth. People who have harmed us, hurt us, continue to harm and hurt us. We know of Satan, the enemy, who likes to prey upon us. But we also have an enemy, ourselves. And sometimes I think that's exactly where Satan wants to work. Because he knows the lies and the deceptions that we're already believing about ourselves. If we walk around believing that we are not worthy that we are not lovable. We're going to live our lives either in a place of victimhood or we're going to live our lives in a place of constantly striving to prove we are those things. Here's the good news. You get to rest. 
You get to rest in the Savior's arms. You get to rest and let the shepherd walk with you on this journey. Because it goes on to say, surely goodness and love will follow all the days of our lives. That doesn't mean that we still won't have difficult things happen in life. But we will know that we are walking and that the shepherd is walking with us. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, you are amazing. And I stand in awe of knowing that you call us and you wait for us to recognize our need for you. And Father, we sometimes recognize that need for you, and yet we still have all this stuff, all this gunk inside of us that need a healing touch, that needs your truth spoken, that needs to be healed. And so, Lord, I ask that as we come before you today, God, that you'll speak to us, that you will touch our hearts in a way in which only you can touch. And that, Father, that we will surrender, that we will come sweetly broken, wholly surrendered to you. So, God, help us to search. Let us let you in to search. And I pray that we would be willing to take that step of surrender to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now moving in a time of healing stations, and if the elders and healing team members would like to go ahead and and get in place. And this is a time when, if you need physical healing... Please come and ask for prayer. Y'all should come to our Sunday night healing service. We have some awesome testimonies about the way God is touching people's bodies and healing. I've got a testimony myself. Um, If you need healing for your soul, maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. And maybe today's the day where you're going to open your heart to him and you want someone to pray with you about that or maybe there's those places within that you know you just want to repent and you just want to be able to lay those at the cross the altar is open people will come and, and pray with you about those things maybe it's your mind maybe you have those ants those automatic negative thoughts still trying to take control of your world And you want prayer for that. But know that Jesus has come. Jesus has come to set you free. That his grace is sufficient for you each and every day. And so it's my prayer that you will open yourself up to wherever 
whatever you need to do, whatever decision you need to make today. Um,